Welcome to the Inside Digital Transformation Podcast. Inside Digital Transformation explores how organizations of every size and shape are using technology today to survive and thrive in the face of relentless change. If you are a business or technology leader charged with making the most of digital transformation in your organization, then this podcast is for you. And now here's your host, Alan Bernard, a technology journalist, editor, and copywriter who has been covering the intersection of business and technology for over two decades. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Hal Morgenstern, Chief Strategy Officer and Co-Founder of Vulcan Cyber, about DevSecOps, what it is and how it's being used today to improve application security. We get into the complexities that are driving the need for placing security at the center of the software development process. We also explore some of the best practices and tools developers can use when implementing DevSecOps as well as how the organization as a whole must change in order for these practices to make a material difference when applications move into production. Tal, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So as I laid out in the introduction today, we're talking about DevSecOps, which stands for Development, Security, and Operations. Um, And probably a good place to start would be, uh, Tal, with your definition of what that is. At one time, they really tried to define this as, you know, like a person having a dedicated security person that does the security work within the DevOps team. Today, we can see that this approach has, uh, has failed at most cases. And I would try to define DevSecOps as the security approach for DevOps people. So having a security mindset within the DevOps team, within the DevOps, DevOps department is really the role of uh, of being kind of minded to security with everything that you that you do. So as you're developing code, you're thinking of it in terms of security as much as you are in functionality features, right? Really, how do we shift left uh, with security in general and and like with with the DevOps and, and operational practices in total? So if you try to do security at at the later stage, you're either doomed to fail or it's going to cost you a lot more. We, we've seen that it's much more better to, to actually try and do that at earlier stages. If you have the DevOps team that is managing all the configuration and the production environment and everything and, and part of the rollout, they have the access, the capability, the know-how to actually catch those things with the proper guidance. And, and I think that's what, what, what has been lacking for a long time, the, the, the training and the proper tools which emerged in, in the last few years. Okay. So why does it cost more if you catch a, a bug later in the process? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So, when, when the, so let, let's look at, at the software that is already deployed and, and, uh, and working. Let's assume that we, we have a security, uh, security issue there and we need, to, we need to fix it. We would need to make the change and some testing environment, make sure that everything actually works, look at the impact to our actual customers, and then plan maybe we need downtime, we, maybe uh, we'll have a performance hit. So the, there are a lot of operational concerns once you, once you do that on a running application versus if you catch that change before it has been rolled out, you're able to you're able to do the upgrade, do the change uh, before you have actual users on it. Um, then, in most cases, it would be uh, much more easier to to make the make the shift and faster. So, so better, um, faster, cheaper. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and okay. I, I think when 
talking about security, like when you think about faster in terms of, of security uh, standards, it's not like to be fast, it's not like anything else, like to release fast or to walk fast. It's mm -hmm. also about being faster than the attackers. So when, when, when we do, when we measure SLAs, SLOs in security, it's not only about how fast can we be in, in doing some, some procedure, but also are we faster than, than the, the opposition, the people that are actually trying to exploit these kind of things. Um, and we should always think about being faster than them. Right. So you were talking about catching bugs after, you know, post-production, right? After things are running. But, you know, it, it's my understanding in the research that I've done that even in DevOps, you're still testing for bugs before things get pushed to production, right? I mm -hmm. mean, at least you should be, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, not, exactly. Right. So that's in theory, right? So, but it, even then, though, when you find a bug at that late stage, just pre, you know, just before it goes into production, that's still costly because why? Because the, the development teams have moved on to other projects. They may not write that type of thing because it could be what, a few months or weeks between a bug being found when it's just about to go into production versus when it's inactively being developed and tested on the other side, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's the time, it's the context switching for the for the actual team that needs to go back and, and actually fix it. So think about think about your so think about yourself even in the supermarket. Like if if you arrange your 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 shopping list, you know, in my in, wife in does that. My wife yeah, does oh, that. She, she does. She, she, yeah. she's great, she's super efficient. And yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so it's kind of the same thing. So if if you know if you if you go, you buy your uh, you know, you're not gonna buy your cereal box and then you know come back and oh I need another cereal box like right. you want to do all of that in the same like we, we eventually want to be efficient and and you know security is not is not different so yeah right okay well then the other thing I think that you're saving uh, a cost is when you have to pull people off of other projects because developers are high commodity I would I don't want to talk about people like that in those terms yeah. but you know in high demand right their skill sets are on so they're not sitting around waiting for something to do. Right. Yeah. And so you're going to delay other projects. You're going to delay other important, you know, feature rollouts, mm -hmm. bug fixes on running applications, whatever it may be. Right. Definitely. And it's, it's also about capabilities. You know, you, you, you need to see if, where you, can you, can you actually shift focus to the people that can solve the, the problems? Maybe they can also do other stuff. So you need to see where, okay. where, you, where you put your focus on. Gotcha. One of the things that you mentioned is you say, because I was in my research, I, I came across a video of somebody that did that, does that job, which is the, the security portion in, in the middle of a dev between dev and ops, right? Mm -hmm. And and it was, you know, he was talking about it in present tense that that's how it's executed, but you've kind of indicated that that model isn't functional for DevSecOps. But I'm, I'm thinking dev guys are dev guys. They're not security people. They're not operations people. They're not infrastructure people. They know the infrastructure is going to run on, but they don't know how to run the infrastructure, right? And that type of thing. So how do you how do you bake security into a developer's mindset? Is it just a laundry list? Is it just checkboxes, bullet points, uh, a set of tools that they have to run, that type of yeah. thing? I wish. It's a bunch of, of, of different stuff. So first of all, it, it is awareness. So really understanding that there is a problem, understanding that that there are security risks in, in the in the application that, that your organization is developing, and understanding those particular risks, that the risks are different if you're a bank or if you're an online shopping. They all have risks, 
it's just different risks. So first of all, having the developers understand that, and not only the developers, the operational folks and, and everyone. So security so, as, as a mindset, basically. Exactly. Okay. Secondly, is, is to have the proper tools. There are many tools. This is the responsibility of the security team, the security person. And I would say number three is to build a process with those tools that fits the, the day-to-day workflow. So uh, you mentioned developers. Developers work, work in Jira. That's like a common tool. So have the security issues piped into Jira. Have the security, you know, if, you're, if your company is working in Agile in, in, in sprints, decide on, on the number of vulnerabilities or security issues you want to solve within a given sprint. Um, not really trying to reinvent the wheel with when it comes to security, but mostly streamlining. This is part of all the other initiatives. Think about it, the risk is on the application owner. So you have your website, you're selling stuff online. You have your warehouses, you, you have supply your inventory, chain. supply on, chain, on. the whole yeah. thing. You have Third your vendors. Ecosystem. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you have your, your vendors. You, you, you maybe have some marketing activities. You know, four of these different departments, for example, and you have an owner for each department. So each department head, they need to understand the risk for their particular group within the organization and make the decision. You're not, so let's take the the online shopping example. If you have a vulnerability, like a critical vulnerability on the website, you're going to have someone fix it. But let's say it's a week before Christmas and you're selling stuff on the website, are you going to make those changes? It's, it's like, it's a huge operational right. concern. Yeah, sure, no. So now maybe the, the, the tips, you know, the, 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 that tips the scale. As the business owner, you are probably the most, uh, if, if you have the proper data, you are the, the mo- most equipped person to, you know, to make these big decisions. Right. So you, that's a risk assessment that you're talking about, right? Yeah, but 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 we need to go, to get into this ongoing mindset of, of risk assessment and and okay. and kind of so I'm not saying that again that as as like C level you should be involved in right. any yeah, decision or like a, a VP right. Right. you should you should not be involved right. in any decision but you should dictate a policy right. uh, that is relevant to your mindset as an executive. In this being one of those policies, right? This reason, this kind of the reason I'm trying to keep it at a level where where business leaders can can get, you know, understand what it is that they need to be thinking about as far as security, right? And so, if you if DevSecOps is the right way to go for your organization, it may not be, right? But if it's the right way to go, I mean, if you're fully na- cloud native and running SaaS apps, and DevSecOps isn't really a concern for you, right? Mm-hmm. you don't have any developers. So if you don't have developers, you don't have CI, CD, you don't have a pipeline, you're not running infrastructure, this is irrelevant to you. Sure, right? yeah. <laughs> um, but if you're Lockheed Martin or pick yeah. a right, pick a big firm today, you know, mm-hmm. Bank of America or something, then you got how many thousands of developers toiling away in the back room? This is important stuff for you, right? Yeah. So at that level, you're going to say, well, we need to look into DevSecOps and then if it's the right thing, you need to push it out to the organization and make it policy, right, at that point. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, and this is the idea of, of including all the stakeholders in the security mindset, right? To pull it back into, correct? Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So I'm curious, how long has DevSecOps been around? 
Uh, it seems like it's, it, you know, you, there's a lot written about it. You can, it, it's easy to find a ton of information, but at the same time, it's like agile. Agile is only being used in something like, I don't know, 40 or 50% of the IT shops out there today. And it's been around for 20 years or something, right? <laughs> so anything that seems new is typically not in IT. So I'm just curious, is there, has it been around for a while or is it, it it's, Maybe give me a so, brief history if you can. So I, I think I think roughly around ten years as as a concept, but really I, I have seen this mature really in the last five years or so to be okay. to be something that is more in practice. Again, like as as any new thing, I think you know people are are trying to understand how to do it, how to adopt this, and there's like there's various ways. By the way, with, with like you gave the agile example, but it's it's. Uh, it's somewhat similar, you know, you need to find the, the right fit for use. Okay. I mean, it was implemented. Why, why did, why was it developed? What was, the, what is the problem that DevSecOps solves, for example, uh, or try, so, attempts, attempts to solve through? Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> more so, accurate. <laughs> so think, so think 20, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you, you, you wanted to, you wanted to develop software. You would go to, you would go to one big vendor. So I used to work with either Microsoft or IBM and kind of, you, you're going to build your, your entire project around that, you know, one or two vendors, maybe they're going to give you everything from like, you know, the dev tools to like databases, application servers, and so on and so. And then when you have an issue or, or, uh, or a security issue, you would usually go to the vendor. Today, when you're working with, most projects are, are built with many different open source components, homegrown components, and proprietary, you know, vendors and so on. So actually just, you know, keeping tabs on this, actually building this and, and kind of, you know, and, and the speed that everything is going and, and like changes, like for our application, like we build the application a few times a day, we release the application, every, changes to the application every day. Okay, wow. The, the, the speed is very, is very, very high. We, we tried as an industry, we try to do, we try to automate security in some sense. We try to push the responsibilities to to kind of the you know the the backend developers or the operational folks, mm -hmm. but it, it doesn't work at that at those speeds. You you cannot have an, an operation like operation person trying to uh, solve vulnerabilities when everything is changing on a on a daily basis. And and everything's running because you're an office. and everything's running yeah. and 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 <clears throat> by the way, same same thing. Availability, stability, standards have gone. Like way oh, yeah. up, right, way yeah. up. Like sure. you know, mm -hmm. three nines is like nothing today. When yeah. when you're talking about like cloud and Kubernetes and and like all these infrastructure, so it's like everybody yeah, got a hundred millimeter response. I'm hundred millimeter, hundred millisecond response no. times before somebody clicks away. I mean, that's not yeah. even a blink of an eye at this point, right? Exactly. So so you have to you have to raise the standards, and 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 one way to raise the standard in 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 security. Um, is actually getting the security in the, in that middle ground where the application code is is piping through the CI/CD pipeline and and you gotta catch that before it goes to production. The shift away from castle and moat thinking as far as security goes, right? Perimeter first, and the adoption of zero trust, for example, right? All of these things feed backwards through the development cycle into the applications that have to accommodate new security postures. You just can't put a password and, you know, username and password on front of your network and hope for the best. It's not going to work anymore. 
right? And so the developers have to be aware of that and then architect or build the, the software that they're making around those concepts, correct? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what I saw in, uh, there was this video from 2019 on you know, from the Black Hat Conference, which I found very educational. But I mean, it seems to me that there's a lot of automation <clears throat> in DevOps and there's even more automation in DevSecOps, right? And that at various stages in the development pipeline, um, you are running scans using mm-hmm. one of 50 or 60 or 100 tools. I mean, that's that's insane. And for every programming language, you have separate tools, right? So, you know, is that good enough? I wish it was that simple. So running the tools is, is a good start, but then really fast, you're going to hit the, the next mode, which is what do I actually do with all of these results? I have... Okay. Thousands, thousands result, and and I can only fix two a day, ten a day, five a day. So how do you prioritize those? Oh, so let me ask you that. So you know the way this guy was doing the presentation, he he had he had scripted it for the presentation, so it made it look probably a lot easier than it is. But my guess is developers are having to go back into the code in hand fix. Right, this is kind of a manual process, at least partly. Some, yeah. Partially. Okay. All right. But there is automated fixes as well that the tools are executing. Yeah, definitely. So, so there's there's in 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 kind of this vulnerability management and and, and uh, dev process. There's tools that can tell you whether your your code your your developers have, have made a, some some security fault within the code that they're writing or some of the the packages that they're using are vulnerable. And and in this case, those libraries can be updated. Um, usually and sometimes automated. Again, there is a chance that this this will break the the system. You'll have a non-compatible version, and then things stop working. So you, you always need to be you always need to be minded of that. And I'm all for automating as as much as you can within that. But also you don't want to do more than uh, than you should. So mm-hmm. really getting some business context to prioritizing the, the right vulnerability, getting some technical context, getting some, some temporal understanding, like understanding whether these vulnerabilities can actually be exploited within that given environment, within your specific environment, that, that, that will go a long way in, in prioritizing and understanding what you actually need to fix. And then focusing on those critical vulnerability uh, makes a lot sense, makes, makes a lot more sense because then you're, you're more efficient with your dev mm-hmm. resources. Sounds to me like dev uh, developers uh, are going to require ongoing security training. Uh, yeah, that's that's an ongoing trend. And also the, the tools need to, ev- to evolve to the sense that can, they can speak more in a more humane uh, language to developers and kind of give them the understanding mm-hmm. of you know, context. This, the, exactly, context. You know, this is the problem. This is what's going to happen if you're not going to fix this. This is how you should fix this. And then give them the option and kind of give them the ability to make the right choice to prioritize. Okay, is this more important than this other bug that I have to fix? Because I, I you know, I, I've, I've been working in security for a long time and, and have good admiration for the field, but still companies need to make money. So security is not more important mm-hmm. than actually generating revenue. So if the application doesn't work, it's not going to matter if, if there's a security issue. So 
but but right, you right. know yeah you can't use multi-factor authentication at every stage of the process otherwise you exactly use the application so exactly so you need the right balance yeah so what makes cloud so uniquely difficult when it comes to DevSecOps? Or or maybe is that even the right way to put it? Is it uniquely difficult when it comes to DevSecOps? So I, I don't know if it's uniquely difficult for DevSecOps, but I think cloud poses unique security challenges for organizations in the sense that, again, know-how for a lot of the, the organizations, just the cloud infrastructure is, is new. They don't know it as well as they know the, the on-premise tool. Just think about like all the regular stuff, like networking is very mm -hmm. different. Storage handling is very different. How you ship your application, everything is, is, is somewhat different. And th there's a knowledge gap and that, that's something that, that organizations need to close that uh, gap. And when you have a technolo technology know-how gap, you also have a security uh, know-how gap. So it's much uh, harder to understand what you need to what you need to do. So that's I think one challenge. The second challenge is it keeps on changing. So they add new capabilities, they they shift things around. So just keeping up with the pace is uh, is also challenging in a sense. And maybe the third, which is it's usually talked about a lot, but um, there is no perimeter anymore. It's a concept change that the organization need needs to understand, everybody around needs to understand that there is no like, okay, we lock the data center and, and uh, that's it. Like our data is, uh, is safe now. There are other controls that need to be put in place uh, like strong authentication that you mentioned and data governance policies and, and tools that, that should support these processes and, and make sure that the, the data is secure and the, the applications and, and platforms are secure. Okay. I guess the question, one of the questions I would have if I, I was a business person listening to this is, don't cloud providers give me that security that I need when I push my applications to them? You know, the hyperscalers, yeah, AWS, you know, Azure, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So they do a lot. Um, and you can definitely take advantage of the, the solutions and, and the, the tools that they provide. But um, they are pushing what, what is called the, the shared responsibility model. And the shared responsibility model means that some of the things like physical security is, of course, the responsibility of uh, the cloud vendor. But how you configure your end platform, how do you configure your operating system is eventually the user's responsibility. So you still have a responsibility of managing the configuration right uh, and no, not doing things that uh, could eventually harm you. So that. And, and making sure that things, uh, are, again, are up to date in terms of uh, patching and so on. But they have, a, yeah, they have a lot of best practices. They do a lot of education. They provide a lot of tools, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, but the application security is on your side, basically. Yeah, right? the application security is going to be on your side for a very long time. So if you don't do multi-factor authentication, that's not on your cloud provider. No, no, no. The, the right. implementation, and they, again, they have some implementation guides. They can help with that. There's also third-party tools. There's a lot of reasons which tools to buy or where to spend your money. And that's actually one of the challenges, right? Is too many tools, right? You get alert oh. fatigue and things like that, right? And and now you're also integrating the SOC, right? The Security Operations Center people, in the in the you know the the seam, right? To try to manage all these alerts, or if you're integrating it at that level, right? You know, at the network level. So, well, what you know what. What makes cloud uniquely different from on-prem? Because you can have private cloud, right? And you're still pushing stuff out to mobile. It's not, 
it's not the fact that you're using a cloud provider that makes it more difficult, right? Uh, but it's it's the, the nature of the cloud environment that, that really is at, at play here, microservices, containers, right? That type of thing. Uh, ephemeral, you know, containers spin up and down on a regular basis. They're not, you know, it's not a static environment, right? It's not one server, one application like it used to be with one network, you know, cat five going into the back of the server, right? Yeah. So I, I think it's a little bit of, little bit of both. When you're working with cloud providers, so you gain a lot of ability to, you know, push uh, some responsibilities onto to the cloud vendor. So they do the heavy lifting on some of the stuff, which is, by the way, it's, it's, I, I think it's great, but you lose some, some visibility to those areas. Uh, similarly, when you talk about containers and, and Kubernetes and ephemeral environments, um, I think the main challenge there is the, the lack of uh, visibility. Uh, we see that, by the way, also in when developing software, it's not only when, when with, with facing with security challenges, just gaining the proper visibility to what exactly is happening is a challenge with, with these new uh, environment, but it also provides a lot of opportunity. When you have containers that are constantly up to date, you also have the ability to update their security posture constantly. So if you take advantage of this, of this infrastructure, you can actually achieve a much higher security level than ever before. That's, that's astonishing. It's, it's just to build the, the right infrastructure. So if on the, on the dev side, though, and I am developing my application to run on AWS, what are the things I have to take into consideration that I wouldn't if I was running the building that same app for an on-prem deployment. So right. again, one, one, so one big, one big difference is that, so let's, let's do a one-to-one. So if you're deploying a VM on-prem or, or an EC2 or a VM on, uh, on a cloud provider, then um, you are accessing that VM when it's on a cloud provider, you're accessing that VM via the, the internet. So, Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that you're the only one that can actually access this VM. Um, we did a test one. It was a couple of years ago. We uploaded, I think it was a Windows box to the to the cloud, and we forgot to close one of uh, one of the ports. We had it public open. It took us, I think, it took like five hours, and we we lost the machine. Meaning someone took over the the machine and and was running it. So and they deployed some kind of uh, crypto. Uh, crypto miner on it and and right. it, it was like five hours so i've heard 10 minutes from other so, people. yeah literally, probably now literally. like i'm yeah. this this yeah. this story is like five year old so it took, took like took and we didn't have any any information on it but really it's 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 a big risk uh you don't want to so is devsec ops inherently more difficult because of cloud or is it just different i think i i would say it's just different again there are many opportunities in with the cloud. So potentially even better when leveraging cloud technology as compared to, to doing this on-prem because some of the stuff you don't, you don't need to worry. You can, you can actually use managed uh, services, which may cost a little more or they, 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 they pay per use. So I, mm-hmm. I actually prefer that module as compared to, you know, buying a bunch of hardware and not knowing how, how much you're utilizing it. So in, in that respect, it, it, it's even easier. So you can, you can actually prove that you're doing the right stuff, you know, when, when you're utilizing your, uh, your hardware and your software. Okay. 
All right. So what um, I, we touched on some of this in the beginning, but what are some of the best practices that that people want to implement around uh, DevSecOps? If you again, if you don't have anything, get 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 the proper tools. It's not it's not it's not a plug. There's like a bunch of open source tools. Start mm-hmm. small. Start with the tools that are uh, that you feel comfortable with. Me personally, I'm not the one that would go to like necessarily like a best in class, but more for whatever operationally works for you. So I think operations is always more challenging than, you know, getting like the most advanced results or, or you know, getting, you know, or deploying 10 different tools and then not being able to actually operationalize those. So really considering um, how the, just going back to the processes, how the process would, would, would work. That's, I think, the first first step, and and to improve to, to your point of improving uh, whatever you have, just re- reassess the the tools that you have and make sure that they're they're working properly and that there's the, they're the ones that you that you actually that you actually need. So some organizations they they may have tools that used to work really nice on prem, but now are less useful when uh, when moving to the to the cloud. And we we see this shift in customers shifting from more traditional tools to newer, uh, newer tools and newer platforms when they are shifting to the, to the cloud. That's one thing. The other thing is, is really get everyone on board. So uh, that goes back to the people. It's not like DevSecOps is not going to be able to, to work if you don't have the stakeholders involved, if you don't have the R&D leaders um, that, are, that are leading this, that are carrying the torch. Um, and making sure that, uh, you know, the developer understands, the team leaders understand, uh, the department heads, and, and really pushing this uh, initiative. It's, it it kind of sounds, I don't know, sometimes the, these kind of things sound trivial. Um, we, 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 we see that all the time. Well, I, I think the, it may be a mistake that, that certainly business people can make is they think it's a technology problem and only a oh, technology, right? And so, yeah. okay. And so I, I think kind of what I'm hearing from you is, you, you know, you got to develop your process. You got to know why, what you're implementing, grab a framework. I'm sure there's many out there that you can take a look at, right? Mm-hmm. I think NIST has them. And so maybe start there, right? If you don't know quite where to begin. But then the other thing though is, you know, from my previous comment, it, it really is an all of organization problem today, security, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I used to do consulting work uh, back in the day and, and, even like the people that used to object the most to security finding and say, ah, I don't understand. Like once you get to them and make them understand, again, the risk, the implications of, of you know, of what is going on and what happening, because a lot of people, they, they don't believe. Uh, like we used to do workshops for developers and, and teach them to hack applications. Really like, uh, one day, or even just a few hours, and really just a workshop and, and show them, hey, this is an application. You can see there is a login screen here. You cannot bypass this. And now I'm going to give you some tools, and, and you're going to try this yourself. And, and after an hour, they actually succeed and, and, and hack the, the box. And they're like, oh, my God, now I need to go and, and like and research. And, and I'm not 100% of them that are going to be like in love with security. but most of them understand the problem. And some of them, by, by the way, would be fascinated by this and, and would continue the research and, and will, will be advocates for, for security with, within their small organizations. So 
definitely training and know-how and, and acknowledging that, that there is an issue, it's, 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 it's key. Okay. As far as the tech goes, that, you know, we mentioned there's a bunch of tools. It, it kind of is a tool space approach, right, to actually finding bugs. It's not something you're going to do manually with, a, you know, hunting 100,000 lines of code. You're just not going to, right, and you brought in 30 open source libraries, you know, mm-hmm. it's just you're not yeah, going to yeah. find it without the tools. Uh, do they work? I mean, is, is the tech fairly sound at, at, at finding bugs and, and fixing them and, and that type of thing? So the, the tech is, is constantly improving. I think it's, it's okay. There's a few um, elements to this. So one on the libraries and package side, um, really there's been an enormous evolution in, in kind of the, the, the tooling and the capabilities. And I think we are now in a fairly good stance uh, where it comes to detecting those open source vulnerabilities and, and uh, third party vulnerabilities, that, that's constantly improving. I think in the, the developer code, like the, the static code, there's still a long way to go. It's still really hard to understand what human beings are doing uh, with all the AI and everything that's going on. It's still very difficult to understand large pieces of code of complex software and understand where are the, the real bugs. Uh, but some of the additional controls, apart from tools, bug bounty programs and penetration tests, and of course, manual code reviews that, that we do. When I have this conversation on automation, I think you always get to, this, uh, to the same dilemma or like mindset where when you talk to people about automation, there is a zero or one concept like, oh, I do automation, then everything is automated and, and like there's zero manual work. Uh, but actually, when you talk about security uh, automation, so going to and implementing all these tools and implementing all these processes, it's not going to mean you're going to have 100% automation, but you are able to automate a lot of the steps. And we are, we are in this journey. We've been able to automate the, the, the code review to some extent. We've been able to automate the detection of vulnerable packages to a very nice extent. Um, now we're starting to automate some of the triaging and assigning of different actions and, and who needs to do uh, what. And we're automating the prioritization. That's been a huge challenge in, in recent years and really trying to understand how to do that. So we have, we have ways to go, but definitely automation is the path to go. And uh, we, we will still see improvements in, in, in this space every, every couple of weeks, honestly. All right. Well, we're coming up on the hour, hour Tal. Uh, I've got plenty to work with on my side. Is there anything you want to finish up with? It's really, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully uh, there's, there's some things that people can learn and, and kind of educate from, uh, from this. That, that, that's, that's at least uh, kind of my, my, my takeaway from that. All right. Well, Tal, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. If you like this episode, please tell your friends and subscribe. We post new episodes every week. If you'd like to join our mailing list, become a guest, or suggest topics for future episodes, you can find us on LinkedIn on our landing page at anchor.fm slash InsideDT or at InsideDT.net. Talk to you soon.